cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 28th, 2009. For newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Scroll down the front page, bookmark all the other sites I have up for future use because sometimes the big ones go down. That way you can always pull down the latest shows with the alternate sites. Now these are the official sites. It's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, cuttingthrough.jenkness.com. Cutting through the matrix.net, .us, .ca, Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix.ca, and Alan Watt Sentinel.eu. The Sentinel site is a European site, has the same audios for download, but it has addition of a lot of transcripts of the talks I've given. You can download them and print them up, and you can choose from the various languages of Europe. And as always, especially after Christmas, I should really plug that too. This is the time for giving. So remember, you bring me to you. It's the, I'm the only person out there, I think, that doesn't get paid by advertisers and doesn't make the money or the living from advertisers. It's up to you, the audience, to keep me going. The ads on this show are paid by the advertisers straight to RBN. That pays for the airtime, which is expensive. It pays for the staff and their equipment and the board ops and pays their bills. So it's up to you to keep me going. No one's backing me here. And this way, too, I have no strings attached. I can say a lot more uh, because sometimes sponsors can, you have to go along with the sponsors and the particular uh, products they're selling. This way I'm an open, open to take my own path, you might say. And you can go to cuttingthroughmatrix.com and find out how to buy the things I have for sale. You can also buy discs. Uh, and some of the discs I have up there now have 50 shows on them. You have DVDs, you have the books I've, re- I've, re- I've written, and you can also donate to me. It's up to you. And the U.S. personal check is good to Canada. You can also choose from international postal money order from the post office. You've got to stress international. And you can also use MoneyGram, Western Union, or cash. It's up to you, or PayPal. Remember, PayPal you can also purchase as well if you send me a separate email. And you can also purchase. For those who get the discs burned and passed to them, you can write to me at Alan Watt, W-A-T-T, Site 41, Box 4, Estere, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1. And that's that done for tonight. And I hope you all had a good Happy or Merry Christmas, and uh, you didn't overdo it, as some people tend to do, uh, even with the food, in fact, but uh, you just enjoyed yourselves, because tradition's something which is really getting wiped out as we all come together to form the new um, multicultural, multi-everything system, where the big boys bring us a form of nature worship or pantheism, which serves the new world order, and because it serves sustainability, and the new high priest of sustainability, the Maurice Strongs and all these boys and the Al Gores are making a killing of our stupidity. 
a killing of fortune from our stupidity is we allow them to do as they wish. Astonishing, really, that they've been hammering at children generation after generation to bring in the new system and uh, all the stuff about animals and the wilds and all the rest of it. We naturally take care of them anyway. No one overdoes or kills except the big boys who are behind the greening. Isn't it odd that the big oil companies, the biggest international corporations, are all behind the greening projects? Isn't that strange? Because you see they're getting billions of dollars of free carbon credits given to them by the taxpayers so they can trade and make more billions. We're the schmucks at the bottom. Back with more after this break. This is Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. It's astonishing, really, that uh, when you look back on things and you've been following history in the making, as the big boys bring in the complete plan that was on the, the board, I'm sure, for an awful long time, probably on a dusty shelf somewhere, every part of the, the installments of, of, of how they put things into us at the bottom. It's, it, those who have been following it, really, each time it's New Year or Christmas, you wonder how you made it through, don't you? Really, against all the government's intentions, we, we kind of make it through somehow. It's astonishing. That's what H.G. Wells was talking about when he talked about the proles. He weird the proles at the bottom. And we have some sort of natural instinct to, to just scrape by and that's it. Uh, against, as I say, all the determined efforts from those at the top to prison to utter poverty or... Uh, starve us out or give us disease or whatever, we seem to just scrape through, don't we? With all their incredible, uh, this is a century of crisis, one after another, 2001. Then we're going to get wiped out with uh, AIDS before that, that never happened. And then we're going to get wiped out with West Nile virus and that fizzled away into the, the great beyond. Uh, and it's just one thing after another. And then with the, the coming plagues, with, with the flus coming along, and then the bank crash, boom, and yadi yadi ya, an age of crisis as it tried to keep us all off balance and ram things through for the global agenda. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. I love the, I love the flu thing. The flu, as I said before, when the, when the major media stops talking about the flu, just like the previous uh, swine flu, it'll disappear. It'll disappear. And it, and it has. Once in a while you get some high hootspot, the UN trying to, to keep it going, because that's their job, is to keep us in fear. And uh, they'll say a person in, in a country died of it last night. Well, yeah, right, sure. After all the other lies have told us, but this is kind of vague reports they give us, you know. But they can't keep it alive, it's just dying off. Astonishing. And who paid for all this stuff, all this fear and hype? Well, we did through our tax money. And then we paid for the banking collapse for all the big greedy uh, SOBs at the top there that uh, gamble in, in these big bubbles. And then we pay for it all when they burst. I personally don't think they lose anything at the top, the guys who control them. Uh, they don't set up the system for them to lose themselves. And the big ones carry on. And, and uh, the next one will be the carbon bubble. Apparently the same woman who, went, who set up the derivatives market for the last lot 
has been appointed to take care of the new type of derivatives for the, for the new carbon bubbles. I was reading that recently. So you know how it's set up to go, don't you? Mind you, if carbon busts, we'll all be covered in soot, I suppose. Pop, and the whole planet's just black, just like that. But, as I say, the rampaging system truly rampages on. I've read before how we're going cashless. And they have to do it cashless because they're doing everything else to track and trace you and to see what you buy and what you eat and everything else. They've got to go cashless. So, see, we're all potential criminals. That's how we're looked upon by the Psychological Association and the Psychiatric Association. The two main associations that were right up there in in the Soviet system and in the Nazi system because evolution and superior types, inferior types falls right into their their, their categories. They truly believe that all so-called mental illness is caused by bad genes. They're bringing the whole whole thing forward with, with watching, tracking and tracing. And I often dismiss most articles about it because it becomes so ad nauseum eventually that you don't want to hear it all again. And unfortunately, as I said before, we've got to hear things at least eight times. And this is what the advertisers know through many, many studies. Eight times before we at the bottom uh, vaguely let it in, into our head and vaguely try and hold it there by retention. Everything's very vague at the bottom because we're bombarded with massive uh, information. Most of it is irrelevant, but it's, we get bombarded every day. And I read an article last week how it really dumbs us down. Here's an article here. They always pick a certain country to, to bring in a new system that we've all to copy. And once they bring it in, in fact, that's exactly what your government does. Well, uh, Timbuktu is using this system, so you know, we had a look at it and we thought it would do for here too. That's how they generally do stuff. And I thought we're going cashless. So, from the independent, Irish, it's independence.ie, it's the national news, and it says here the, the, the card will be king in New Year as cash is on the way out. And this is December the 26th. Shoppers and businesses will be using more plastic and less paper money quite soon under a new government plan. So, the government, again, you see, plan to reduce the amount of hard cash in circulation. A task force, they love task forces, don't they, will be set up in the new year to come up with ways to cut down on cash transactions in the economy, the Irish Independent has learned. The move has been given an added impetus by the rise in tiger kidnappings of bank staff. Tiger kidnappings. Maybe that's all that wildlife stuff and rewilding. Allied to the need to make the economy more efficient. Elements of the plan are expected to include promoting the use of laser and debit cards a basic bank account for people on low incomes. So everyone's got to have a, a bank account. Phasing out checkbooks, and I've read articles too in the last few weeks about that part. Business invoices being paid directly by banks. Ireland comes second only to Greece in Europe in terms of the amount of cash and checks used in the economy. Scandinavian countries top the leak table for the least amount of cash in circulation and greatest use of electronic payments a key element in their status as the most competitive nations in the region. So if if you're cashless, you're competitive. That's how they word it, I guess. So it's all to do with monitoring. I said years ago, eventually, when they ration things, when they come in to raid your home, when everybody will get their turn of getting raided, 
uh, they'll say, well, you've got extra cans of, can of beans here. Where do you get this? It's not any purchase you've made because we've tracked all your purchases. Uh, has someone given you this? And if so, how come they could afford to give it to you when you're all rationed? You see, are you on a black market? I'm not kidding. This will all come down the pike. It'll all come down the pike. You wait and see. And I've said before, too, that you simply have to follow the Communist Manifesto and, and forget, always forget uh, the, the rubbish they give you that it was a sort of mass uprising. It was not a mass uprising to bring in the Soviet system. Neither was it written by a guy, workers, guys who you know, nailed things together or carried things in wheelbarrows. It was put together by intellectuals paid by the big bankers to do so. And one of the planks was the, the, the elimination of uh, private property. That's also in the charter put out by Albert Pike, the head of Freemasonry, because Masonry was heavily involved in all the revolutions across the world. Trotsky himself wrote about that because he was a high member of the Masonic Party. And if you go into his book called My Life, he talks about joining it. And when he was exiled, he was in the middle of, or the process of writing a whole bunch of books about Freemasonry and how wonderful it was for revolutionary purposes and also had to get changes within society which is still going on today but here's what happens as we as they train you see they've already been trained Canadians you, you don't really have you can either have private property or you don't it's like owning something uh, even that you, see, you, either, you either own it or you don't if you own something no one can lean on you even the government if they lean on you, then technically you don't own that. If you pay um, taxes for property, that's a lien on your on property. So you either own it or you don't own it. It's one or the other. And when they introduced, and by the way, the ones who take the credit for introducing property taxes and income taxes in the Western world uh, it was the Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR. I've actually got the old speeches somewhere here where they introduced it in the Parliament and in the U.S. Congress as well and took the credit for it. And we all know what increasing uh, income taxes does too. That was also part of the Communist Manifesto. Until you're all working for the state. And they train you too by saying, well, you can't just go and heat yourself. We've got to come in and inspect your furnace. That's what they did in Canada from the federal government. Then you'd pay a guy to come in who looks at it, and you recommend what needs to be done to it. You then pay for somebody to come in and fix it up to scratch, or this guy, what he guy, this guy decides it needs. Then you pay the guy to come back in again and recertify it before you're allowed to buy oil for yourself, and he gives you a license to buy oil. See, that's the beginning of it all. And that's why a lot of folk in Canada just says, well, we know where you should go, and we'll tell you where you go, and we'll just use wood. And wood eventually will get the same thing as they come around with the carbon, please. The Mail Online has an article here, 28th of December, to show you again how they get to train you to get used to having no rights in your own home. The 20,000 20, snooper army, vast number of town hall bureaucrats, that's like your local government bureaucrats, get power to enter your home without a warrant. This is coming worldwide. 
This is in, happens to be in Britain, but they're the flagship for the world. And it says here, as many as 20,000 town hall snoopers have assumed powers to enter people's homes without a warrant and search for information. For information. A survey revealed last night. The research details for the first time uh, show how a raft of intrusive laws has allowed council staff to barge into homes and businesses uninvited. The bureaucrats are benefiting from the 1,043 state powers, that's, that's laws, of entry in primary and secondary legislation, more than 400 of which have been created by Labour in the last couple of years. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. I'm just talking how you have this, it's not even a creeping state anymore, state power is, it's on a roll, and people don't stand up to it. They don't stand up to it. They just cave in and meekly uh, open the door, or, or get rammed down, or torn off its hinges if you don't, I suppose, and uh, allow the place to be ransacked, you know, by these creeps that work for the government. You can't believe it, I'm reading this stuff, but I am. I'm reading this stuff. This is happening. But it says here, the bureaucrats are benefiting from the 1,043 state powers of entry that they've given themselves. More than 400 of them, which have been created by the Labour Party recently. These include... Now, here's the excuses they're giving. Now, remember I read about a few months ago where they were coming in voluntarily to, to check your fridges, to make sure you knew how you throw out old stuff, don't have it in there too long. You know, like the little children that we are, we, we suddenly don't know anything. Well, here's... And I said at the time that's nonsense, is to get us trained for the next step, which is exactly what it is. Scanarian training, you see, and Fabian style. These include in checking for refrigerators which do not have the correct eco-friendly energy rating. <laughs> Making sure a hedge is not too high. You know, the hedges, they've run their gardens there, not too high. I mean, they want to be able to see through your, your windows, you understand. It's, it's their right to see through your windows and photograph you if they want to. And then inspecting a property to ensure illegal or unregulated hypnotism, what nurse does that, is not taking place. Alex Dean, director of Big Brother Watch, which carried out the research, said, once a man's home was his castle, today the Big Brother state wants to inspect, regulate, and standardize the inside of our homes. Actually, they want to standardize the people, too. Councils are dishing out powers of entry to officers for their own ease, without giving due thought to the public's right to privacy and the potential for abuse. Well, people keep turning to government when something happens. Oh, help us. They don't, they don't get it after all these hundreds of years. Government is your problem. That's where your problem is. Government is your problem. And all these councillors should be kicked right out. Picket their homes. Get rid of them. That's what you've got to do. Instead of standing grumbling about it when they're ransacking your darn home. Because it won't stop there, you know. Bullies never stop until someone in the playground punches their nose. 
It says there needs to be a much closer eye kept on the number of officers granted the right to barge into private premises without a warrant. No, there should be none of them allowed into private premises without a warrant. None of them. Using freedom of information laws, Big Brother Watch, a new privacy campaign group, asked councils in Britain to reveal the number of staff they have authorised to conduct property searches. The research entitled Barging In found there were at least 14,793 officers with that power, the equivalent of 47 officers in every local authority in Britain. More than a quarter of councils either refused or failed to answer the FOI request. Get rid of them. If they won't answer to the public, then where's, where's your contract? Where's your social contracts? Tyranny is tyranny. Just, just picket them all and get rid of them and, and, and replace them. And if the next bunch do the same, you replace them too. It says, but based on the responses given by other town halls, that's like your little city hall, there's 20,000 snoopers with the power to enter a person's home or business. Here's reasons why they might come in, right? This is the excuses they're giving you. To see if pot plants have pests or do not have a plant passport, if it's like an orchid or something. That's, and even got the Plant Health Order 2005 written down here. To check the energy ratings on refrigerators, energy information, household refrigerators and freezers, regulations that was put through in 2004. Surveying the garden to see if the hedges are too high. And by the way, do you know what law that comes under? Anti-Social Behaviour Act. 2003. If you draw your curtains and the cops can't see you in, that's Antisocial Behaviour Act. No kidding. You're, Orwell, here we are. It's all here. Inspecting a property to ensure illegal or unregulated hypnotism is not taking place. A Hypnotism Act, 1952. Mind you, the politicians hypnotise folk all the time. If you get me in, I promise... And everybody says, oh, yeah, yeah. That's called hypnotism. Measures to prevent injurious cross-pollination of seeds. Plant Varieties and Seeds Act of 1964. These are the excuses they're using to come into your home. While Monsanto and, and Bayer pollute the entire planet's crops and admit they can't stop it now. <laughs> they won't get raided. <laughs> Since the survey relates only to town hall staff, if police officers, paramedics and firefighters are included, the total would be in the hundreds of thousands. North Aftonshire County Council and Glasgow City Council have the most officers able to enter your home, with almost 500 each. Since councils have been handing out the powers despite the fact Gordon Brown, oh, I, 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 oh, I get a twinge in my stomach each time I mention that man's name has expressed concern about the... Oh, expressed concern. Uh, that means we do nothing about it. And 2007, so the Prime Minister said, I share the concerns about the need for additional protections for the liberties and rights of the citizen. But he's not talking about the cattle, you see. We're all cattle to Mr Brown and the Fabian lot. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
heading to the Matrix. That Maggie from Texas is on the line, so I'm going to take her right now. Are you there, Maggie? Uh, uh, yes, thank, thank you very much. Um, I have two unrelated questions, both quick. Uh, you earlier uh, uh, said something to the effect that uh, the same woman who engineered the first round of der- derivatives had now been hired to engineer the second round. I would like to know uh, her name and nationality. Mm-hmm. And uh, my I, I do, sec- I, I, I do okay. have it here, but I don't think I can pull it up right now. Okay. But what's the second one? Uh, my second question, I am just curious as to whether the Scots, that is uh, Donald and William, his son of Sudbury, are still running their Common Cause uh, Research Foundation for uh, degenerate, neurodegenerative diseases. I haven't heard anything from or about them in a long time. Uh, the last I heard of Don himself, who, who his wife ended up having to go into care, Oh, uh-huh. uh, because of her age, and Don it wasn't the best to help himself, so he also lives in this care home facility. But I believe his son is still carrying on with his work. Oh yeah, I'm so sorry. I just uh, I know they used to have they had a conference every uh, August or September, and I didn't hear anything about one this past year, and I haven't received a copy of their magazine. So okay, mm-hmm. I'll I'll check with them and see what's happening. In fact, I still have their phone number. Now that that woman I was talking about, I'll email that to you. Yes, thank you I'll, very I'll put much. It in my, one of my email folders here. Right, I appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Then. Mm-hmm. Thanks for calling. It's uh, yeah. In fact, I think I only put it away tonight. One of the folders, thinking I'd never use it, but I will. I'll get back to it. Now, from Yahoo News, but everyone's heard about this. It just doesn't make any sense, this guy who was going to bomb an aircraft coming into the States. None of it makes any sense. It's probably one of these big trials, for all we know. And we do know that they stage these trials, these fake trials, especially on, in holiday seasons. And it makes no sense for the presenting to the public that this guy um, with an explosive strap to his thigh uh, who was initially refused a ticket because he had no passport. Uh, some smart-dressed guy, supposedly, that accompanied him, told the, the ticket uh, seller uh, to give him a ticket to the U.S. It makes no sense at all, unless it's CIA, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, the result of this is, this is immediately... Now, it's bad enough in, in the, in the airport, airports with all the checks they've given you. And this is from Yahoo News, uh, and it's also by the Canadian Press. Saturday 20 to 6, it says, Calgary WestJet says that effective immediately, passengers on its flights to the United States will undergo a secondary search. The Calgary-based airline says all passengers on U.S.-bound flights must submit to a pat-down search and carry-on luggage, which will be limited to one bag per person and will be searched by hand. Air Canada also announced stricter security measures and urged passengers to arrive at airports early for the U.S. departures. That's so they can basically strip you and all the rest of it. It says the moves follow the rest Friday of a Nigerian man. It was some Nigerian, a very wealthy family, went to the best of schools and all the rest of it, and had joined some of the best clubs in London, who's alleged to have tried but failed to detonate an explosive device aboard a Northwest Airlines flight's approach to Detroit. The flight landed safely, but no one's explained how he got a ticket with no passport. Unless, as I say, the CIA guy says, let them through. 
it's like a must-be thing, something they had to do to get it done, you know, and getting all new laws passed. Passengers are advised to get to the airport for trans-border departures three hours before the scheduled flight time. WestJet says it's acting in cooperation with the Canadian Air Transport Security Authority and that the new procedures will remain in effect until at least December the 30th and probably it will last for, forever. Or maybe they'll bring another new machine out, a robot. They love bringing all these machines out and some big company gets the contract and uh, you've got a robot that will pat you down, you know. May break a few bones in the process, but you get a pat down nonetheless. Quite something. And then again, everything is so corrupt in this new world order. It always has been, mind you, in the previous world orders, like the Cold War uh, between two sides was a, a called a world order. That was the order of the time. But it was all, always corrupt at the top, completely corrupt at the top. And people made killings off the Cold War. Big contractors. And this nonsense, but, oh, they've got a faster missile, and we've got, we got to get a new one. It'll cost about $25 billion each or something. And, and this is the game they played at the top all through the Cold War. Even though they said they had uh, mutually, uh, mutually assured destruction, mad to call it. I mean, they could blow up the world 100,000 times over, but they had to keep getting faster missiles, you know. Uh, rubbish <laughs> and most of the money was going to to the contractors for today by the way not for then but for today through research and development to find ways to monitor a, a post cold war world that's where the money was really going the stuff that wasn't siphoned off into pockets this is from voltairnet.org and I'm not sure the date on it but anyway I'll put these links up at the end of the show it says here uh, the World Health Organization's swine flu pope is under investigation for gross conflict of in- interest by William Engdahl. The man with the nickname Dr. Flu, Professor Albert Osterhaus of the Erasmus University in Rotterdam, Holland, has been named by Dutch media researchers as the person at the center of the worldwide swine flu H1N1 influenza A 2009 pandemic hysteria. Not only is Osterhaus the connecting person with an international network that has been described as a pharma mafia, <laughs> and it, did, it does exist, he is the key advisor to the World Health Organization on influenza and is intimately positioned to personally profit from the billions of euro dollars in vaccines allegedly aimed at H1N1. That was December the 9th, actually. Uh, it says, earlier this year, the second chamber of the Netherlands, Holland, Parliament undertook an investigation into alleged conflicts of interest and financial improprieties of the well-known Dr. Osterhaus. Outside of Holland and the Dutch media, the only note of the sensational investigation into Osterhaus's business affairs came in a tiny note in the respected British magazine Science. Osterhaus's credentials and expertise in his field were not in question. What is in question, according to a short report published by the journal Science, are his links to corporate interests that stand to potentially profit from the swine flu pandemic. Science carried out the following brief note in its October 16, 2009 issue about Osterhaus. For the past six months, no one could barely switch on the television in Holland without seeing the face of famed virus hunter Albert Osterhaus talking about the swine flu pandemic, or so it has seemed. Osterhaus, who runs an internationally renowned virus lab at Erasmus Medical Center, has been Mr. Flu, Last week, his reputation took a nosedive after it was alleged he had been stroking pandemic fears 
to promote his own business interests in vaccine development. As science went to press, the Dutch House of Representatives had even slated an emergency debate about the matter. On November the 3rd, 2009, it appeared that Osterhaus emerged with at least the damage somewhat under control. An updated science blog noted the House of Representatives of the Netherlands today rejected the motion asking the government to sever all ties with the virologist Albert Osterhaus of Erasmus Medical Centre in Rotterdam, who been accused of conflicts of interest in his role as a government advisor. Why would you get these top characters as government advisors? I mean... Uh, what do you think they're going to shout there? Flu, flu, panic, panic, panic flu. That's, that's what they do. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this character, yeah, was personally profiting by the mucho buckos and his own personal bancos uh, with this con game. Uh, but then again, it's expected, it's expected. You know, anybody associated with the World Health Organization seems to be a crook. It's the same with the, 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 the United Nations IPCC. They're all paid to shout terror, the weather is changing, and we're doomed unless you all give up all your rights. You know, what do you expect them to say? That's, that's what they're going to say forever. They're getting paid to do it. They've no job without it. This article here is from the Daily Express. Interesting, too, about... Uh, uh, electric pollution. This is Tuesday, the 17th November, uh, November issue 2009. Are we being polluted by electricity? It says. It says Hannah Hughes was a bubbly and energetic child, so when an 11-year-old began to fall ill every Wednesday after school, her family were mystified. I didn't understand why she was coming home sick. Recalls her father, Glenn Hughes who at the time worked as telecommunications consultant. Shortly after she moved to her secondary school, she would complain of headaches every Wednesday. She'd also vomit and look very pale. Now, that's your standard radiation sickness you get from electricity, especially uh, when it's microwave from towers and stuff. They've done programs in, in Toronto and other big cities with uh, medical staff, doctors, going around checking with meters, just walking around the street and finding these places that are highly, highly toxic to humans. Some people are more sensitive than others and get awfully sick. And they've done surveys where they've moved them out of the city and they recover, recover remarkably. Some, some can actually enter the city to work and go back to the country. Other ones can't go back into the city at all. They immediately get sick. And with all those, those repeat towers all over the place and those little ones you see, those square or rectangular ones attached to all the buildings, everywhere you go you're, you're getting these incredibly spiked waves from microwave. Anyway, this is a friend thought it could be a radiation sickness and asked Glenn if his daughter, now 16, spent any time in the part of the school which had a mobile phone mast. They put these mobile phone masts in all schools, in Canada too. It transpired that each Wednesday should be a class just eight feet away from the mast. This was eventually moved from the school, but Glynn from Preston, Lancashire, began looking into mass emissions and how to shield against them. It says, Soon local residents turned up at his door, concerned that they or their children were being made ill by radiation and wanting his expertise, especially devoted himself to the issue, setting up his company called Wireless Protection, and they give you the link there. There was an article on television 
about um, I don't know if it's the same guy or not but um, there's a lot of people now will go into your home and test for areas of high uh, electric radiation and they've taken it seriously I know that for a fact in countries like um, Sweden and uh, when you definitely it's proven that you have this electronic sickness and you can find massive uh, microwave hitting your home the government will come in and they use a kind of uh, shielding paint uh, with, with copper in it. Very expensive to buy, very, very expensive if you, if you bought it yourself. And they'll do top to bottom, ceilings, floors, everything with the darn stuff in every room to try and give you some protection. Because after all, it's not your fault that the governments have mandated this uh, broadband Wi-Fi system in all the big cities. It says here, this guy, this guy, this particular man here now, he's now receives call from help around the world. I think it's a much higher percentage of people with electrosensitivity than diagnosed, he says. As soon as you remove or reduce the levels of radiation they're exposed to, they feel much better, which is evidence in itself. Electrosensitivity is a name given to the conditions suffered by people who in varying degrees claim to be made ill by connection to electricity. Particular hazards are thought to include pulsed microwaves, or high-frequency radio waves given off by devices such as mobile phone masks, cordless phones, mobiles, Wi-Fi, baby monitors, and burglar alarms. Symptoms include fatigue, nausea, headaches, earache, skin tingling, chest pains, gritty eyes, joint aches, lack of concentration, anxiety, and depression. That's, those are the common symptoms. So it's, it's an interesting thing that's happening, as I say, because I've seen the articles and documentaries even put out by, I think, the CBC or Global in Canada, where the doctors for the first time are taking this seriously, especially after a team of doctors bought the meters and just walked around Toronto. And when they could visualize these areas for you using computer, uh, they would turn the spike waves, these bursts that come off these uh, microwaves, uh, certain areas they were standing in were absolutely polluted. You're getting it from in 10 directions at once. Very, very fast-pulsed spiked wave, is called, of microwave. But that, again, it's called progress, isn't it? And, and you know, it won't matter, it won't matter if, how many folk it kills or how many people get brain tumors or anything else. It won't, it won't make any difference because... You see, they, they, you all know eventually they're going to give you a chip. And I have articles here about the brain chip and how they're actually advertising them, getting the children ready for, for all the wonders that, that are to come shortly. I read an article last week about it too, aimed at youngsters, aimed at them. It's astonishing, as I say. The world we live in truly is astonishing when you understand all the different things that are going, going on. We generally find out a tr any, a, a, some little truth, some little truth about any particular event years after the main thing happens. After that, we don't care so much. Even if it's a few years later, we don't care. But that's also why uh, the, the Secret Services, CIA and so on, declassify information after maybe 50 years, or, or they can re-sign it to be reclassified for another 50 years. What kind of democracy is that? What's well, so terrible that the public shouldn't know that you had to classify things for 50 years? 
And it's always to protect the government and protect names until they're dead. You see, the people in government are, are more important than, than you lot to understand. With you, they'd have it splashed all over the papers right away if you did something wrong. But with, with the government people, no, see, they're respectable people. It's a different way you approach that. And uh, they can only be tried by a group of their peers, especially like, as in Britain when you're made a sir. The commoners can't try you. So, so there's two different kinds. But anyway, David Kelly, if people remember, Kelly, who was going up for an inquest on the role of Britain when Blair was pushing for the war, along with Bush. And uh, Kelly was coming out and saying that, uh, no, everyone, everyone at the top, all the military guys were told uh, to ignore all the evidence that there was no weapons of mass destruction. Uh, they were told to ignore the fact that uh, the UN had been in repeatedly and found no uh, nuclear stuff that could be used for, for, for bombs. Because, you see, they wanted to go in anyway. That was the whole reason for it. They're using the same excuse now with Iran, in fact. The exact same techniques being used right now. But Kelly wasn't going to be stopped, and he was going to testify in an open court, the high court. And they couldn't allow that. Then he was found dead in a field, remember. The scientist was found dead. And, and this is from the Mail Online, and I'll read that when I come back from this break. This is cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning how, at the top, you know, when they can't get rid of you some other way, they will kill you. They will kill you. Just like the scientists that went down the spiral staircase at the United Nations when they were they're bringing the scientists in to get them all on board with the global warming. A couple of them didn't want to go along, and they ended just falling down this big, long spiral staircase. And it's a big mystery. But that's how things really happen at the top when there's a must-be scenario on the go. And Dr. Kelly, this is from Saturday, December the 5th, 2009, from the Mail Online. Dr. Kelly was murdered, and there has to be a new inquest. It's six top doctors. It says six doctors who believe government scientist David Kelly was murdered have launched a groundbreaking legal action to demand the inquest into his death is reopened. They are to publish a hard-hitting report which they claim proves the weapons expert did not commit suicide as the Hutton as the government's report decided. The government's always make sure they do the first report. They've also engaged lawyers to write to Attorney General Baroness Scotland and the coroner, Nicholas Gardner, calling for a full re-examination of the circumstances of his death. The doctors are asking for permission to go to the High Court to reopen the inquest on the grounds that it was improperly suspended. If Baroness Scotland rejects that demand or the court turns them down, the lawyers say they will have grounds to seek judicial review of the decision. Dr. Kelly was found dead at a beauty spot near his Oxfordshire home in 2003, days after he was exposed as a source of a story that Tony Blair's government sexed up, as they call it lying, sexed up its dossier on Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction to justify invading Iraq. But Kelly also was talking about his British government's uh, sign that the warfare department's role 
along with Israel sharing data on ethnic-specific weaponry, uh, bacterial warfare, viral warfare, that they could not allow this man to go to court. And the woman who was given the job for bringing in the carbon uh, derivatives, I'll mention this too, is from Washington's blog, uh, Monday, December the 7th. I'll put these links up on the end of the site if ExploreNet will do me the honours of allowing me to upload tonight. Uh, and believe you me, they've really got in for me. But it says, woman who invented the credit default swaps is one of the key architects of carbon derivatives, which would be at the very center of cap and trade. It says, I think this guy goes on and says, as he previously shown, speculative derivatives, especially credit default swaps or CDSs, are primary cause, are the primary cause of the economic crisis. They were largely responsible for bringing down Bear Stearns, AIG, and see this WAMU and other mammoth corporations. According to the top experts, risky derivatives were not only largely responsible for bringing down the American and the world economy, but they still pose a substantial systemic risk. And it gives you different Nobel Prize winners uh, who talked about um, what, how it caused the meltdown. And the different well-known people talk about it and so on, but it's near the bottom it tells you this woman's name. And it's uh, the deceased. Where is she here? Uh, Blythe Masters, uh, apparently, I think is it the woman's, the woman's name. It's also mentioned in Bloomberg's talk. Uh, the carbon derivative scheme will be largely centered around derivatives. Uh, Blythe Masters says banks must be allowed to lead the way if a mandatory carbon trading system is going to help save the planet. So <laughs> here we go in, at the lowest possible cost. And derivatives related to carbon must be part of the mix, she says. This is the woman who set up the system for the last lot and how it all went down. So you know they're going to do it again. She's at J.P. Morgan's employee who invented credit default swaps, as it's now heading J.P.M.'s carbon trading efforts. I'll put these links up, as I say, at the end of the show, if uh, ExploreNet will do me the good grace of uh, allowing me to upload, since I'm paying so much money and getting nothing back for it. But from Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, as you're all sobering up out there and uh, getting rid of all the extra pounds you've, you've taken on, I hope you had a Merry Christmas and it's good nights. And may your God or your gods go with you. Mm-hmm.